1: Hello and welcome back to the Walker Report Extra Podcast in association with Vaux Brewery. I had a thoroughly nice weekend last weekend. I went out in Edinburgh. I popped my feet up when I got in. I enjoyed some alcohol and I forgot all about Sunderland and Phil Parkinson. Unfortunately, I do love Sunderland and I've decided to return to the glamour of League One with a 5am wake-up call as we all head to Gillingham for the second time in a month. So to discuss what's happened since the last time we spoke, all of about three weeks ago, is a returning guest which is Matt from Jills in the Blood. How are you doing Matt? Are you well? I'm
0: very well, mate, thank you very much.
1: How's things been since three weeks ago? It wasn't that long ago we spoke, was it?
0: No, so yeah, so just under a month and Yeah, our form's picked up nicely since then and uh, yours has gone somewhat the other way. Um, (laughs) I'm sure we'll talk about that in more
1: detail. Truly south, I think, is what we would say. Um, You're
0: probably more south than us at the moment.
1: It's it's, it's ironic that we should be travelling that far south when our form's gone even further south. It's heading off to the Isle of Wight at the minute. Um, (laughs) First things first, it does feel like we've said it was only yesterday that we were facing each other. I think it's the third match between the teams and I think it's three weeks. But are you looking forward to the game on Saturday?
0: Yeah, it should be another good test and obviously regardless of form we know that you're going to come down and we've, we've said this three weeks ago you've got good players players that are probably too good for this level but blame's not played on paper it's played on grass and your boys have got to start putting in more performances but yeah, it should be a, an entertaining game hopefully and it's, it's one I fancy it's in at the moment considering our recent form especially at home.
1: Truth be told, so do I. I think the majority of the the Sunderland fan base do as well. It's it's kind of the way it's going here at the moment. But, I mean, we spoke just ahead of the FA Cup game when things weren't too much brighter, but slightly brighter than, than they were at the time. Uh, or mm-hmm. they are now, should I say. Uh, but as you said you know, just before, there's players in that team and our team that I think a lot of League One fans could or should be playing at a higher level. And you didn't sound overly confident, if you don't mind me saying so, when we last spoke. Bear in mind it was an FA Cup game and it was away. But you were at the FA Cup replay, which obviously you won 1-0. But how yeah. surprised were you by just how bad we were that night?
0: Very. We said that on our match day live when we did our video. And we said that comparing that team, and I know it was there's different players, but there were some that played in the 4-1 win last season. And yeah. it was... It was day and night, the two performances. And we said after the 4-1 win last season that if you maintain that type of performance, you'd, you'd go straight up. And Obviously, we all know what happened, but you was one of the best sides to come to Breesfield last season. Um, and the performance, if you can call it, that you put in a couple of Tuesdays back was, was, wasn't was Sunderland.
1: Yeah, I, I, I very much, as a fan, feel that way as well. I mean... The whole game, there was a lot made of the fact that we had no shots on target in 120 minutes. And I think that I think a lot of teams last year didn't... I wouldn't say they showed us respect. They kind of showed us respect in the way that they they upped their game. And we had a lot more difficult games last year than, than not. But I think there's a few sides this season, and a lot of fans this season are starting to see what Sulander or should I say, not all about this season. And they're just not quite getting it. I mean, we all have our own... Thoughts on why we're playing so badly, but I'm quite curious as to how an opposition fan who's maybe watched us recently did you perceive any game plan from us? Did you perceive any sort of specific cohesion in the team? If you could put your finger on that 120 minutes that you saw, what would you say is the problem in the Sunderland team if you could surmise it?
0: Well, there's obviously there's one name that keeps getting talked about because I follow you guys on Twitter and that means that you retweet other Sunderland fans. So I see plenty of opinions about Sunderland and their players and their manager. And aside from Phil Parkinson, the one name that keeps coming up is Will Grigg. Um <laughs> yeah. And is it is it the case where because you've spent that amount of money on him last January that? Managers feel they've got to play him, but that's not the Will Grigg that that's played in this league historically. That scored plenty of goals for Wigan and MK Dons, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He was a shadow of Will Grigg that we know. I think he had one shot that drifted wide into the the open ended stand at our place in the replay. Aside from that you forgot he was out there but he's like, that's what I'm asking you back is that is that just an easy option for Sunderland fans at the moment to blame Wilgrid because he's a big money signing and he's not playing well do you have to look at Phil Parkinson and how he's setting up the team I know McGeady didn't start that night but if you'd said this is the Jills team and this is the Sunderland team nine times out of ten people would say Sunderland win that football match but again it comes back to form and confidence and momentum and all that type of thing, and then it makes it a very different fixture. But I'm going to give us credit as well. I thought we were really good on the night. We pressed from the front and we didn't let you play. But even when you did have the ball, you look like a side that, that's struggling, that's devoid of confidence, ideas, and maybe doesn't want to play for the manager there, i say it.
1: It does look, and I think a few people have said that, it does sort of almost look like... A, I think someone said to me the other day, we look like a team that has been playing under a manager for 18 months and the players have lost confidence. And, and it's only kind of been what, eight it. weeks? Eight weeks, max. Um, yeah. Yeah. If that. And its I think the Gillingham game was one that really hit home because Parkinson wasn't a popular appointment. Um, but we were told that he might get us more in because a big criticism of the Jack Ross era was the fact that we didn't really have too much cohesion going forward. But it's all kind of culminated this week and people listening will know that Josh Madger, who obviously was sold in January and replaced with Will Grigg, Josh Madger's just got a hat rig in the... the uh, for Bordeaux. One for Bordeaux. <laughs> and and Will Greg can't hit a bondo with a banjo. Um and
0: Josh was one of the standouts in that 4-1 game last season. He was very, very good that night.
1: Great striker. Better than I think we actually knew at the time. And it's funny you mentioned about that, that, that Gillingham game last year early on was one of my better memories of the past few years um, what differences do you see between that team and, and the team now I know it was a while ago but like if you go back to what side we put out in the performance we put out in the 4-1 win how would you surmise that performance and how do you compare it well
0: but- the first, the first two is obviously names that, that didn't play in the second game, and that's that's major that we've spoken about, and George Honeyman, who I think we spoke about before the first FA Cup to I said was I thought was a very good player, and yeah. was a little bit surprised that you'd let him go. But obviously, similarly to, to Tom with us, he's, he's gone to a higher level, and you can't begrudge people wanting to do that and go to, to play their play their games in a higher league. But Max Power started both games, if I remember correctly.
1: Yeah, he, he, that was when Max Power looked pretty good at that point. I he was going to say, again, it was,
0: similar to the Will thing. completely different Max Power in the two games. I think he scored one of the goals. He, he was pulling the strings in the middle of the park. Don't get me wrong, we're harder to play against now than we were under Steve Lovell last season. And that yeah. was one of the first things that Steve Evans noticed when he came in in charge. But um, We can give us credit for how we played in the, the cup replay, but the two performances are so night and day, like I say, that it, it indicates there's there's massive problems behind the scenes for you boys.
1: Yeah, and and I think I think there is. Um, there's been a lot of talk about um, cohesion and stuff like that. But well, you, you know, you've mentioned a few times we do have to give Gillingham credit, and I think a lot of the time um, when them don't play well, it's it's unfortunate that maybe teams don't get that, and it's probably because we get beats so often these days it kind of deflects away from how well teams played but um it's definitely different gillingham side to the one i saw last year i mean uh, we put eight goals past year last year but we didn't manage yep. to put a shot on target against you in 120 minutes so something's definitely changed there i mean um you, you you have been playing quite well this season i think you sit sort of bang in the middle of the table but if i remember yeah. rightly this time last year you were sort of struggling down the wrong end
0: I think when we played you, that started a run of about 12 games without a win. We'd, yeah. we'd won both our opening games in the league last year. And then I think we didn't win then after that till beginning of October when we went to Portsmouth and somehow managed to win
1: 2-0. can do that again if you want. I always like to see Portsmouth get beat. so.
0: <laughs> yeah, we've done all right down there the last three seasons. We've uh, won 3-1, 2 and, and drawn 0-0, I think. So, yeah, we're doing all right against them at the moment. And we got them shortly after you boys. I think we've got them over the Period as well before the West Ham game, so that'd be another good test.
1: Felt like we played them consistently last year, but I can't quite. I feel I can't quite remember when we played them. I think we played them sort of April time, but they're they're another team on form now. There's a lot of teams in League One I've noticed are they're either dead and buried like South Um which you, no no offense to my friend Liam who I love who's also been a guest on the show, but South End I think are dead and buried. Bolton probably yeah, look yeah, like they that. Can't as well. see them getting out of
0: it, they're, they're such yeah. a poor side, unfortunately that even if they manage to get half a dozen people in in January, you'd probably imagine it's already too late.
1: Yeah, it's, I think I think both sides potentially dead, but this team's picking up, uh, Portsmouth being one of them. Now, your results since you sort of last played us, um, a really good win, then a really quite poor defeat. But 3-0 against Doncaster, you got beat 1-0 off Wimbledon, but you were down to 10 men. Uh, did that affect the game quite a bit?
0: No, the red card was in the last minute.
1: Oh, it was last minute. So but, was it a poor performance? Uh, the man
0: or? the man in the mid the man in the middle affected the game and I'll leave it there because <laughs> it was it was quite possibly the worst officiating performance I've ever seen in my life. And I know you can go out sour grapes, but we had three stonewall penalties and he waved them all away.
1: You know, when it comes to League One referees, um I suppose because I'm not a, a manager I can say what I want. Um but we've noticed since we've come down, the standard of League One refereeing is really quite bad, and it can decide oh, games, can't it? They're so bad. Yeah. Like, talk and you've
0: me- got linesmen that don't want to make a decision. Like, you've got linesmen that spend all game looking at the ref to make a decision. Yeah. It's just like, just grow a set of bollocks and make
1: a call yourself. <laughs> yeah. What What happened in the the Wimbledon game? Like, talk me through the penalties because I think everyone will be quite interested to hear just that we're not, we're not the only ones that get shite League One refs.
0: No, I mean, they're not great and we we don't we don't like to use them as excuses. It's easy to do that when you lose a football match, but we it was basically a training exercise. They had two shots in the whole game and they scored from one. First one, Brandon Hanlon was central of the goal just about to pull the trigger and the only way the centre-half can get him is by going through him and he goes right through the back of him and then gets the ball and the referee says, play on it. It's a stone wall as you like. Um, I think then Hanlon again... Um, he went through, I think the bloke had a nibble on his ankle, and then he was probably too honest, Brandon. If he'd just gone straight down, we'd have got it, but he tried to stay up. But then the bloke had another pull of his shirt and dragged him to the floor as well, and the ref still didn't give it. And then we had um, chasing the game second half, ball got punched up in the air, dropped to Ollie Lee about ten yards out, and he's just about to side foot it towards goal. And if you look at look at the highlights on YouTube or whatever, you can see the Wimbledon player puts both hands around his waist and just pulls him to the floor. And the ref just fucked off and ran the other way again. And then had the nerve to send off our player right at the end when he gave a corner, a goal kick when it should have been a corner the whole crowd <laughs> could see it.
1: <laughs> I mean, actually, you know what, I mentioned it and I've seen the result but I actually remember your your blog from that. I remember, th- now yeah. Now you've mentioned it, it does come back to me but the standard of refereeing is, is so, so bad. Um, but beating Doncaster 3-0, obviously you've got a, a defeat there which we can blame or look at in circumstances based on what you, you've you just of course, said there. Yeah,
0: um, But we missed enough We missed enough chances to win two games as well. So you could also put it on us and say that we weren't clinical and that was the difference between that and the last week, the Doncaster game that you've just mentioned.
1: What, what happened there? Because Doncaster are a good side. I think they've, they've to say they've surprised me this season, sounds weird because they finished sixth, but like because they lost so many players like um, Herbie Kane, John Marquis, but they, they've actually performed quite well. So hammering them 3-0 is a really good result.
0: Yeah, we drew with an opening day up there we went to the, the away game and drew 1-0 and it was the very definition of a game of two halves we yeah. were brilliant for 45 and a half minutes and then conceded in injury time for them to level up and then we couldn't get out second half and there was only one team that looked like winning it but so the draw was probably the fairest result but we were We were spot on on Sunday. Again, you can say that Doncaster were poor and they looked average, but there's a reason why they looked average and that was due to us. And we pressed high, we pressed from the front, we didn't let them settle. They're a team that likes to... Their keeper, I don't think, went long once from spot kicks. He was literally putting it down and rolling it to his centre-halves. The front two were really good at stopping them playing out and the game was effectively over after 15 minutes. It was 2-0 after a quarter of an hour and three probably flattered them a little bit, dare I say it.
1: Something I've noticed, I think, when we spoke last time as well, we obviously spoke about um, Steve Evans. Uh, we spoke about players that have been doing quite well. Obviously, Jack, Jack Bonham's racking up the clean sheets again, but you spoke quite highly of, of Brandon Hanlon. But what I noticed in the, the games against yourself and also just by looking through the sides that you've lined up with and your goal scorers recently is that he started hitting form fully, um, but also um, Mikhail Mandron, obviously our ex-academy product, yep. seems to be getting in the team. Uh, how, how's he getting on?
0: He's been really good the last few weeks and he's probably helped Brandon in the same way that Tom Eaves was helping Brandon last season because Mika can play with his back to goal. You can hit his edge, you can hit his chest and he'll hold it up. And then if you've got someone with Brandon's pace that can run in behind, and I think the third goal last week showed that, um, he's going to cause problems to loads of League One defences. And I think Steve Evans, slightly tongue-in-cheek, said a few weeks ago, if he scored more goals, he'd be worth millions and he wouldn't be playing for us. But... Not to that degree, but you can see what Evans is saying. He has yeah. all the tools to be a very good player at this level, Brandon Hanlon. But no, Meek has been really good, and I think he's got himself up to full speed now with his fitness, because um, he was only on trial in the summer. So I think he was a little bit behind. Um, but yeah, I think if we keep him fit and Brandon fit, I think that's the first choice partnership now going forward.
1: Because it was an interesting one with, with Mandarin, because obviously when he was released, we were still in the premiership. And if I remember rightly, it, it was under sort of, I think, Allardyce or just before Allardyce uh-huh. when he went. So it wasn't like we knew we were going to go on this downward trajectory. Um, I watched him quite closely in the, the FA Cup game at the stadium and he, he does have that strength and ability. But when you look at his, his career since he's left us, it's been been very stop-start. I mean, he was on loan, I think I think he was at Fleetwood, Shrewsbury, and I, I remember him being at Hartlepool when he was with us. But when he left, he went to, to Eastleigh and did really well. Then he got a move to Wigan for decent money. Didn't really work out for him. Then he went mm-hmm. to Colchester and did all right. Um, so he's dotted around a little bit, but he seems to have not been a regular at any team. But he's played for about the past four or five weeks, hasn't he? So, But, you know, is, would I be right in saying you normally used to play with only one up front?
0: No, we played with two up Most of it, Lovell used, used to play the Diamond. Steve Evans come in and said he was going to play wingers, but we seem to have gone back to the diamond. But then that's because he's brought in plenty of central midfielders that make us harder to play through. So we played two up top for the majority of the season. I think there was a couple of games early on away where we went maybe a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3 three, three to a fashion. But the majority of the time we tried to play two strikers.
1: So is it Jakubiak that he's kind of replaced in Mandarin in the past few weeks?
0: Yes, yeah, that would be the one, because Jakubiak started the season really well, and I think he got four in his first six, but he's only got one since then, and that was in the com a couple of weeks ago against the Tottenham children.
1: Yeah.
0: But yeah, he's been all right, Jakubiak, don't get me wrong, it's a decent option from the bench, but yeah, I think in terms of the fact that Man, John and Hanlon give you all sorts of different options in terms of they can hold it up, they can run in behind, they can win stuff in the air and... They're powerful. I think that's probably the best combination that we've got at the moment. But obviously, there's a transfer window coming up and as fans, we're all a little bit greedy and we always want a little bit more. And if we can get what you want to call a proven goal scorer in, then it it could be an interesting second half of the campaign. But obviously, you need money for that.
1: Do you think maybe that's what, like, Gillingham are missing from being a side that could potentially push for the playoffs? Because I looked at the... I always try to look at the statistical side of things because obviously mm-hmm. there's it's the best way to gauge in a sense and then you can make your own sort of assumptions. But on home form, you sit like 13th. On away form, you sit 15th. In the table, you sit 15th. Goals scored, mm-hmm. you're 13th. Goals conceded, you're 13th. Like across the board, you're right bang in the middle where like a bad of mm-hmm. form could drop you, a good of form could elevate you. Do you think that the signing of like someone like a Tom Eaves or someone who can score as many goals as that would maybe be the difference between you finishing in the middle or you finishing outside of, just outside of, or in the playoffs?
0: Yeah, I think that's that's probably a fair assumption. I said start of the season, ninth, and I, I won't change that at the moment. I think we're probably still a little bit light in terms of scoring enough goals to really threaten the top six. But defensively, we've been really good. Yeah. Uh, we're hard at a playthrough in the middle of the park. We've got good options there. And it's not saying we've got poor strikers, I think they all offer us something, but the thing is, I think Mika Mandron's the oldest and he's like twenty (laughs) four. So that tells you all you need to know that I mean we've got Jakubiak on loan, we've got the kid and Jolly on loan from Bournemouth as well. And Brandon's played one and a half full seasons at this level. He was other than that he was at Charlton and he flitted around on league on loan I think it was at Colchester a brief spell a couple of seasons ago, but this is the first time where he's consistently playing every week at League One level. So it's very, very rare that you find someone who comes in and does that and scores 20 league goals. And i go back to the Wimbledon game last week. i said said if Tom Eaves had been playing in that game. We'd have won it 3-1 comfortably.
1: Tom Eaves is, we, I think we spoke about the last time Sunderland wanted him. I think the fact he went to the Championship sort of surprised me in a sense, but in a way, although if he was in the team, you could be pushing further up, you're not missing him massively on paper, are you?
0: No, I don't think it's been a disaster this season by any no, means. It's not just at all. obviously the, But you only notice people like that when you lose games, don't you? Because if you win yeah. a football match, people don't take any notice of it. Like the replay, if we'd drawn nil-nil and gone out on penalties, we'd have all probably gone, oh, I could have done with Tom in that game. He'd have probably stuck that chance away that Brandon missed yeah. or someone else missed or whatever. But when you win the game it almost sort of glosses over any sort of deficiencies that you do have in the side.
1: And I think you've definitely sort of recovered from I think we sort of touched on it before but you've definitely recovered from the loss of Tom Hawley who I, I don't know if I've just been I don't know if he's been injured and I've missed it but I've noticed he's not really been getting in the Ipswich team and your goalkeeper's got one of the highest clean sheets uh clean sheet records in in the whole of League 1 at the moment. It seems like it's been a, a a, much, a like-for-like replacement, pretty much. And your defence has got better than last season. Considerably better, actually.
0: Yeah, I think credit to, to Steve Evans and Paul Rainer. And I mean, that might hurt a few Jules fans, me saying give credit <laughs> to them too, but <laughs> never mind. But yeah, we've not missed Thomas. Don't get me wrong, he was a very good keeper. I think he started the season really well. And I think when they come to us, they won 1-0. And I think that was his like sixth clean sheet on the bounce. And then they lost one game. And for some reason, Lambert dropped him. And I know there was a lot of Ipswich fans that were kicking off about it. Well, I think he's back in the team now. I'm sure he saved the penalty last week
1: ah, so against he's it.
0: Burton. I think it might have been. Um, but it, yeah, Jack uh, Bonham's been absolutely spot on and it's just the longer the season's gone on, the better and better he's got. But yeah, credit to those in front of him as well because I think we've not conceded a home goal now in, in over a month, I don't think it is.
1: Yeah, I've noticed your home form is actually, it looks erratic on paper, but if you look at the teams that you've played as well, it's been tough games. You've beat Wickham, is that correct? Not too long ago, about five or six games ago, then you've had Ipswich. Wickham was
0: end of September. We're still the only team to beat them in the league.
1: And you've played, is it Ipswich, and you've also had Peterborough recently, I think, wasn't it?
0: And Rotherham. Rotherham, and Rotherham was the last and time that we can see We got spanked 3-0 by
1: Rotherham. That's right. So it's been, it's been a tough run of games at home. But you've kind of came out of it in good form in a way, really.
0: Yeah, we have. And we've picked up. And I think the last four has been Tottenham under twenty-three, Lincoln, Sunderland and Donny. But the only frustrating thing is obviously three of them, four clean sheets on the bounce, have been in cup fixtures. Yeah. If it had been sort of three league games, we could be set seventh, eighth, ninth. I think you, you beat one or two
1: points of the playoffs. But beat Lincoln as well. You can only win
0: the games that you're playing in. And tough game, winning games breeds confidence and,
1: that's what I fancy at the weekend. Yeah, no, I I, I I hate saying it because I hate going against something, but I think there's just so much negativity around us at the moment. I sort of feel like that. I mean, when I look at your results in full there, I kind of, I think I had a sort of wrote out for me, but then I skipped my mind completely who you'd actually played. I remember the Gillingham Rotherham, obviously you lost 3-0, but you picked up a win at Accrington Stanley not too long yep. ago, uh, which is a good win because they've just hammered Bolton 7-1. Uh, you know, It's tough to win any game away from home here, but you also beat Lincoln 1-0, Doncaster 3-0, the Wimbledon game we've discussed, obviously, you've beaten ourselves, you beat Spurs under-21s 2-0, picked up a draw at Shrewsbury, uh, narrowly beaten by Peterborough 2-1, um, but I think Peterborough are a good side, but if you compare that as Sunland's results against similar teams, you're actually performing far better than we are. I, I suppose we touched on this before, and we mentioned, I think, Aidan McGeady, but is there any particular players that actually worry you about something in a, a really sad way? I'm expecting you to say nobody, but, but give well, me give me anyone if you can.
0: No, because if, if you turn up and play like you did two Tuesdays ago, then no, not yeah. at all. And I, the, the big thing with McGeady when he came on was he spent, that sort of indicated to us how poor that you were, was that he spent probably 90% of the time he was on the pitch in his own half or on the halfway line trying to find the ball because there was nothing happening. And we said a couple of times that, this surely they're going to have a spell in a minute. Surely they're going to put something together. You know, a spell of decent football. And they're going to carve us open once or twice. But it just never came. It just never, ever came. And like I say, credit to us, but it, it just indicates that there's an issue with confidence and maybe Phil Parkinson as well for me, just as an outsider looking in.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's funny, actually... Have, like, obviously, some questions wrote here, some facts in front of me as we're speaking. And I think, like, the question I, the way I wrote it actually is quite depressing from my side. I've put, Are they, comma, genuinely, any players that concern you? As if, like, it would be surprising if you were. Um, it's getting, like, further and further to that point where, like, the more I'm asking that question, people kind of scramble. Whereas last year, you could pick out Major, you could pick out people, pick a Honeyman McGeady, those players that would be picked out but we're, we're really severely off form but we've mentioned sort of Brandon Hanlon and um, and, and Mika for yourselves but is there anyone else mm. currently on form for yourselves that maybe I'm missing or maybe isn't getting the credit that maybe the, the media should be giving them at the moment?
0: Um, Defensively we've got a young lad called Jack Tucker who's come in the side this season I think he's played 15 times, he's only just turned 20 and he's... I described his performance as Rolls-Royce last Sunday It looked like he'd been doing it for 15 years, he was absolutely brilliant and I think he will leave us within the next 18 months to two years I know there's talk in the local press today that we're going to try and get him to sign a new contract because his deal expires at the end of the season and yeah. if he did leave we would be due compensation because of his age but mm-hmm. he looks like he could go and play at any level he wanted but obviously 15 games is 15 games you have to do it over 15 months two years two and a half three seasons before people can consider you a proper player but All the signs are really good and and also Connor Ogilvie who's sort of converted to a centre-back last season when Gabriel Zaquani got injured and him and Max Amar were brilliant at the the back end of last season and we didn't really miss Zaquani and that said a lot about us at the time. Um, And Evans signed him permanently in the summer and said, oh, he won't play left-back again, but he's had to play the last two at left-back because our our lonely Tom O'Connor's been away on international duty with Republic of Ireland under-21s and Connor ogilvy has been absolutely superb at left-back. So, yeah, there's a couple that are, that are playing. But then that comes, again, with winning games. That you, So, you could at the moment, you could probably sit here and say six, seven, eight of the, the first 11 are in good form. And that's why we're winning football matches. Whereas, if you'd asked me that before the first game when I spoke to you, maybe I'd have only said two, three or four because we weren't in such good form at the time. But, no, we're playing well. And it's, it's nice to look forward to Saturdays. And it's nice to do videos talking about wins because, at the end of the day, people don't like losing football matches.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, that's all I'm used to at the moment. Um, so looking at the, the the side and stuff, the way you'd set up, I think you, you lined up against Gillingham, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, you had Jack Bonham and Goal, you had a back three, which you've been playing most of the season, with uh, Tucker, Emma, and, am I pronouncing this right, Og- Oglevy? Oglevy, no, he
0: played Oglevy. left back, it was a back four.
1: Oh, it was a back four,
0: ah, okay, was okay. A Back four, so it was Connor at left back, Yep. And then it would have been Max Amar and Jack Tucker centre-halves and Barry Fuller at right-back.
1: Do you think he'll change And if I remember, we
0: started Alfie Jones yep. at the base of the diamond.
1: He's we like had anchor, Mark isn't Byrne
0: he? and Mark Byrne from one side. Ollie Lee from the number 10 position. Who played the other side? Oh, Thomas O'Connor.
1: Yes, O'Connor. The young lad who's
0: on loan yep. from Southampton. We signed as a left-back, but he played left side of the diamond. And then we had Brandon and Meeker up front, so it was a
1: 4-4-2 diamond. Is... O'Keefe injured at the moment because actually, if you look at the look at your team statistically, he's probably one of the higher performing players. But I've noticed he's he's not always in the team. But I think he did have a really good game against us. Um, in the replay, he did seem to kind of be the focal point of your midfield.
0: Yeah, I think he was decent that day against you. He um he came off early doors with a hamstring problem against Wimbledon, which is why he missed Donny last week. Ah, okay. Um, and I think Evans just said in his press conference this morning there's a chance he may be fit, but. If it was me, I wouldn't risk him because we know hamstrings. If you, you go and try and play and it's not quite right, you could be out for another couple of months. So I, I'm not sure he'd start and if it was me picking the team, I'd have him on the bench at best this week.
1: And I've noticed you also picked up in the summer a formerly quite highly rated right back in, in Lee Hodson. Obviously, he used to play for Rangers, St. Marin, mm-hmm. but he doesn't seem to be getting in the side as he's not impressed very much.
0: He started the season at right back because we were playing Barry Fuller on the other side at yeah. left back. Um and then we got Thomas O'Connor in, so Barry went back to his natural side. And I think Lee was struggling with a couple of niggles. I think it was mentioned, so he was in and out of the team. And then we all know what it's like. If you're only getting 20 minutes, 15 minutes here and there. It's it's tricky it's to sort of pick up any rhythm. But I, I, I can't really say he's been awful because he's not played a lot. But at the moment, he's definitely not first choice. But it, it's not a bad backup based on pedigree of where, like you say, where he's played previously in his career.
1: And another one he has some assignments as well, probably a. Quite a relatively famous name based on I think it's his brother. Um, but you've obviously got, is it Willock, oh, I think Matty Willock, I think it was. Yeah, but he's, he's been injured, hasn't he? But he, he came back he, um, against Donny, I think.
0: He came with lots of uh, sort of fanfare in terms of the fact that he'd been released by Manchester United. I think he yeah. spoke quite highly of him. But yeah, he, he, he missed part of the pre- and then he played 45 minutes against Bolton back end of August and unfortunately fractured his kneecap.
1: Uh.
0: So um, last Saturday's. 30 second cameo whatever it was was his first appearance since August so I I don't think we're going to see the best of him until January February if he can get in the side obviously because people are playing well in front of him at the moment so he's obviously got to do do what he can in training and and with the opportunities that he gets to try and take the shirt off someone else but yeah he looks to be he's a really good size and he gets about the pitch from what we saw in pre-season but again we can't really gauge how good he will be because we've only seen him for 46 minutes
1: And there has been a lot of, I've noticed like this year, a lot of, I think Manchester United must have released quite a a big batch of youngsters around sort of the 19, 20 year old ages. Mm. A boy down at Rotherham at the moment playing really well at, at right back, his name completely escapes me, but he's big, strong, powerful. And I think there's a lot of League One clubs that are getting younger lads who are maybe a bit rough around the edges um, but have the the basic tools like the big, the athletic, the strong, to sort of make yeah. it in a league like this, and it just depends whether they sink or swim sometimes. So do, do you have quite big hopes for Willock then if he can get back to full fitness?
0: Well again, yeah, he's at the right age. Um so he needs obviously needs experience and, and with experience comes, you know, better performances, you'd imagine. But yeah, I'm not gonna sit here and say he's gonna, you know, be as good as his brother who's at Arsenal, but
1: Yeah, very I good
0: player. He has all the attributes, like you've said, to be a very good football league midfielder. And if he if he gets consistent games and does well, then maybe you know bigger teams, maybe in the championship or bigger teams in League One would have a look. But obviously, it'd be nice for us to see him play consistently well for us first before we even think about saying he's going here, there, and everywhere else.
1: Yeah, true. And, that, and I think League One seems to be now that we're not like year and a half here, a lot of a lot of teams. It it does seem to be that you know young. Young signings on free transfers, loan signings here and there, experienced players that maybe have been out of form in the championship. And it's sometimes it's much of a muchness, isn't it? You, you, you hope that your scouting team's good enough to pick up the right characters and the right players. And then if they do do well, unfortunately, like we saw last season with Josh Madger. They sometimes yep. do move on. So it's almost like you want them to perform well, but just enough that they just stick with you and not go anywhere else. Um, I always
0: laugh and say that it's quite nice if you've got someone playing well. I think I said it with Tom Eaves last season. Come January, you could just hope that he just maybe tweaks hamstring and misses two or three weeks.
1: <laughs> and nobody <laughs> Nothing takes, too takes serious that risk. that rules him
0: out for the whole campaign. But just, you know, just that people tend to forget about him until midnight on January the 31st.
1: Yeah, that's kind of what you want, isn't it, in the end? Um, so moving on to the the match on Saturday just to kind of end talking
0: off, to say... rumours sorry to yeah. interrupt though no go ahead we did see something come up which was quite weird and it did make me laugh and he's obviously he's an ex-one of yours it's probably some kid that's decided to create a, a Twitter in the no agent page that I got seen retweeted on my timeline yesterday and that was that Jules have been linked to a former Sunderland striker who was it? also played for
1: Everton oh god uh, there's lots of them oh Victor and yep <laughs> oh, good you know what? That no, wouldn't be a bad sign in Victor and you. I think I wouldn't have him back here. There's a few people that course, would, yeah, but... but
0: again, it comes down to what sort of you know ambitions of different clubs and different sizes of clubs. Yeah, I think. it But I'm I'm taking it with a huge pinch of salt. The fact that the, the the thing had sort of 200 followers and had been in in circulation for about
1: four hours, I think. If he can get him fit, you know, we, he was he was actually really good for us in the Premier. We went we well, went down, yeah. um, but you had a period of about two or three months. Well, he played really, really well for us. Um, yeah. He played like off the left wing, but that was when that was before Duncan Watmore got injured, when we still had Jermaine Defoe. But I think I don't think he's had a club for about eighteen months or something like that. But you know what? you yeah,
0: I don't recall him being anywhere England for ages. To be
1: honest, I think he went to China for he a he?
0: He's got to be, he's got to be getting thirty or so, isn't he now?
1: I think he might be just edging on thirty-one,
0: give or take. But again, I mean, you'd still get two years out of him if he was. But um, like I say, oh, last bit
1: at this level easily. Again, good player that maybe he's 31. Um, but, one of those players that you always felt that should be doing a little bit more. But, I think yeah. at League One level he should, he should really be a bit of a powerhouse at League One level. I'm quite surprised no one's taken the risk on him beforehand to be completely honest.
0: Yeah, yeah, like you say, he, he comes with, with decent enough pedigree again and like you say, League One or even bottom end championship you think with someone that needs a goal scorer to maybe, you know, try and keep him up or get them into the playoffs or whatever but we want to keep an eye on I suppose but I'm not um, taking it as gospel.
1: Yeah Twitter can be a bit of writing on the toilet wall when you're bored isn't it it's a new version of it. Um, (laughs) So predictions for Saturday I'll go with mine first. Um, I think we'll get beat 2-1 I think we'll lose 2-1 I think you'll score first with the and you'll get a late winner. How are you seeing it going?
0: I'm going to stick with the same score as the replay and I'm going to say Gillingham won Sunderland,
1: yeah. 0. Do you think we'll get a shot on target this time?
0: <laughs> I hope so, just for the sake of all of us.
1: Yeah, just, just,
0: just. I think so was our only one, I think, as well, not it? So oh,
1: it was a bad game.
0: It's not one that will come up in a FA Cup Classics, that's for sure.
1: Hmm. No, definitely not. Our, our commentators, uh, Gary Bennett and Nick Barnes, were commenting on it, and I think Gary Bennett said it was the worst game of football he's ever commented on in his entire life. And I think he stood by it afterwards. It wasn't like an off the cuff, off off the cuff, momentary comment. I think he yeah. genuinely meant that. But typically, Sunderland would l- still lose the worst game in memory. I don't mind the worst game in the world if we win 1-0, but when you're getting beat, it's kind of I was going to say, that's isn't the it?
0: thing again, isn't it for us, we went, oh yeah, it's a really good performance. We kept a clean sheet against Sunderland and we're in the next round. But yeah, yeah it's, if you get beat 1-0, you think, oh, that was an absolute horror show.
1: <laughs> yeah. But Matt, I am coming up on Saturday. Um, I hope you, have a, hope you have a bad Saturday. I hope it's not raining. That's kind of what I'm hoping at the minute because I'm in the... Oh. Think don't it is it due
0: end. to piss it hard? Yeah,
1: of course it will, because I'm going. Of course it will. I did actually. How many bring? Oh, I don't think we sold out. Um, but what what does it hold? Your away end. What did you put in the,
0: last year? You put in. You had about two thousand four hundred in there,
1: didn't you? I'd be surprised if it went just under two thousand. I might be wrong. I actually haven't looked at that. I know we haven't sold out. Put it that way. I know that much, but. We'll be bringing a few because what else is it doing this Saturday apart from get, so watch Sunland getting beat? It's that old Christmas shopping, in it, so Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's actually Christmas shopping with the missus or go to the football. And trust me, no matter how bad Sunland are, football will always <laughs> win that one. No offense to my girlfriend. She, but... really. <laughs> <laughs> she listens to this as well, which is a bit of a nightmare now. I've just dropped myself right in it. Um, but Matt, thanks for coming on as always, mate. Uh, enjoy Pleasure, mate. the rest enjoy of the season. Uh, no problem. Um, and look after yourself.
0: You do. Take care and it's a journey
1: down on Saturday. I'll need it, mate. It's about seven hours, I think. Jesus.